0: Alaska or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio, brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Maine or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck, or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand-name tires at competitive prices, remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours at radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over
1: the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson. And on behalf of all of us here at Rod and Real Radio, we want to wish everyone out there a great Mother's Day. We hope you're out there celebrating and giving your mom the just rewards that she deserves. Hey, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We appreciate you coming on by to hang with us. I think we're going to make it worth your while. Scheduled guest tonight are Shane Warner. He is with the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Association. He's going to be with us to tell us all about what that organization does for trout fishing up in the Bridgeport area. Captain Mike Franchek from Relentless Sports Fishing. He's going to be with us to keep us current on the fishing conditions off our Southern California coast. John Campbell is going to stop by. He's going to update us on leaderboard for the 2017 Yellowtail Derby. There has been a shift in the leaders. You're going to want to hear about that. And then later on, Steve Carson's going to be with us. He's the director of the Penn Fishing University. He's going to let us know about current fishing conditions also. He's going to clue us in on what's happening at Lake Oroville with the hatchery over there for salmon. He's also going to give us... A little bit of a sneak preview on a new product Penn's coming up with, so there's a lot to do tonight, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce to you the co-hosts of Raw and Real Radio. First of all, this lady is the National Sales Manager for Iserline, and she's also a pretty darn good sportsman in her own right, both when it comes to fishing and hunting, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am?
2: I'm doing great, having a great
1: Mother's Day with Jenny, and I uh, had a great birthday on Friday. Oh, man, it's a twofer weekend for you for sure, is it not?
2: That's
1: right. <laughs> right. Hey, also, my other co-host, he is the voice of one 800 Bass Boat. He's one good fisherman in his own right, too, and congratulations are in order because he has taken yet Another crown when it comes to fishing, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, congratulations and good evening. <laughs> oh, thank you,
3: buddy. Good evening, everybody. And happy birthday and happy Mother's Day to uh, Wendy.
1: Well, when I say... You're welcome, girlfriend. <laughs> Stan, when I say congratulations on order, just briefly, what are we talking about here?
3: Well, we had the last tournament of the year the uh, at our local tournament circuit up here. The Juan Bath actually is, supports it It's the Rich Taubers Fishing Circuit in the uh, Lake Casta, I mean, Casitas. And it's called the uh, Eric Elshire Memorial Cup Final uh, for us. It's the final championships. And 28 teams had uh, qualified or whatever fished the tournament. Uh, and my brother and I jumped in, and in the morning we had a, kind of a rough road and got kind of started. We ended up with about 12 pounds of fish midday and it doesn't, that's never going to win a tournament there. With a half hour left to go, we ended up going to uh, a spot where we started and uh, caught some um, uh, reaction fish, but there was nothing that was going to win. We ended up with 15 minutes to go, moved out to a point where we have caught fish before that were good ones. I made one cast across the thing on the area we don't usually fish and stuck one on a, a good keeper fish on a drop shot, Threw another one back over there, back to back, got a second fish. I told him, my brother, go get that jig over there. There's fish on this area that are feeding. And he finally gets bit and missed it. So we had maybe two or three minutes to go. He makes one more cast. It got to the bottom. He finally gets bit again. We stick the biggest fish of our limit. It was 470. At, with two minutes to go, we got him on the balance beam trying to figure out which one is the littlest fish. We threw the small one overboard and made it in with a minute to spare and ended up taking the uh, Eric Memorial ch- Final Championships, and uh, we I got the uh, Eric Memorial Cup to keep for a year. We won with 50, uh, 1654. wasn't much, but there were seven teams, uh, I mean, uh, between, with one pound separating seventh and first place. So wow. my brother and I ended up with $5,120. Um it, uh, we got to say thank you to Air, uh, um, Ojai Angler for throwing an extra $1,000 in there, Mark Matroni and uh, uh, Keith Covey. We've got uh, John uh, Carrion, which is Spencer McKenzie's fish uh, taco place. If you've never been there, it is absolutely the best up in Batura and another one in Santa Barbara. But thank you, John, for the $1,000 that they threw in there. And uh, thanks for the... For, uh, Rich were putting on one of the best circuits. we got the best group of guys to fish against out there for sure. So well, anyhow, that's what it is. I got the uh, win for the championship at the end, and it was
1: pretty fun. Congratulations to both you and Ken, Stan. Hey, you know, tonight being a Mother's Day, you know, I know some of you find this hard to believe, but Wendy, Stan, and I, yeah, we have mothers. And they have been influential in our lives too and I thought just for a couple of minutes here we'd stop and reflect a little bit about how our moms influenced us when it came to the fishing habit that we have today. And Wendy I wanted to start off with you because we've talked about a lot about your mom in the past couple of weeks, especially, you know, being uh you know that she spent some time up in Manzanar, which was not a good condition. But tell us If you've got a fishing-related story that pertains to your mom that you might want to share with us tonight.
2: Oh, sure. Way back in 1966, my mom and my dad took all of us to Acapulco, and uh, my mom and dad went fishing on a ponga. And back then, you know, the equipment was pretty primitive. My mom and dad had a contest. Whoever caught the biggest marlin or billfish, would get to bring that fish home and put it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess who won? Oh, wow. <laughs> so my mom has a 125-pound sailfish that she caught back in 1966, and it is still on her wall in her house.
1: Fantastic. Wow. And
2: Dad lost out. And, you know, back then, they didn't have the gear we have today. You know, it was all... <clears throat> The old school, you know, gear, and I, I couldn't imagine bringing in a hundred and twenty-five pound sailfish, you know, with that old tackle.
1: Well, not only that, Wendy, your mom isn't the the largest of women. I expect.
2: Oh yeah, she's four <laughs> eleven. Yeah, giant. <laughs> they giant. She got, that, she, wants, that's... she has the fish uh, mounted on her wall at home, and uh, my my dad lost out, but. Uh, you know,
1: they created a monster. <laughs> That's a good thing. Well, Stan, how about yourself?
3: You know, when I was five or six years old, I had my, my mom and dad called it fish and fever. If I saw water, I, I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I just had to go fishing. I wouldn't eat. It was just terrible. So in the mornings, we'd go up to Bridgeport Reservoir or whatever it is. I mean, Bridgeport Lake and camp for a month and during the summer. And I would get up every morning in the dark and freeze my little buns off and go down and catch a bunch of fish and come back. And I was, my thing was, you know, I'd come back before Dad got up so then I could go get him, and then we could go fishing after that. But I'd always get there, and Mom would have uh, the coffee on, and she'd put it in a Skippy peanut butter jar and put a bunch of milk and sugar in there and stir it up so I could warm my hands around the, the thing. And then when I'd sip a few, just get down with my tweet coffee. She'd go. All right, that was my limit. Now go catch your dad's, and she'd kick me back out to go fishing again and leave my dad sleeping, so I could catch two limits of fish during the day. But uh, she was always really supportive of me and all my fishing habit, and continually supported uh, what we did when we when uh, I started fishing in the competitive arena. So wow. god bless her; she's great.
1: Well, you know, it just to relate. My mom was a little Italian woman that was born in Benevento, Italy. My dad, as a young man on the East Coast, he was a surf fisherman, and he and his brother would go for stripers off on Montauk Point. In '46, my dad and my mom came out here to California, and my dad always liked this sport of fishing, and he came out, And he discovered that down in San Diego, they had a sports fishing fleet where they could actually go out and get tuna and yellowtail and everything like that. And he started chartering boats out of uh, Fisherman's Landing, the first of which was uh, one called the Pallardo. Now, at that time, the Pallardo held about 12 guys. And my dad would charter the boat and bring customers from his business down to San Diego to fish off these boats. Well, None of these boats at the time, they had they didn't have galleys or anything like that. Maybe they made coffee. I think the, the Polaris was one of the first boats out of the fleet that had a galley. So you were to go on an overnight trip or a, a day-and-a-half trip, what were you going to do for food? I remember one of my first recollections. In the early 50s, my mom would be in the kitchen the Friday before my dad would take off, and she would split. 12 chickens, throw them in the oven, cover them with bacon, and she'd be baking chickens so that we could have them to go fish on on the pilardo down here in San Diego. My job was to make bread and butter sandwiches, and this was a time before there was sandwich bags. I would get the butter, trying to get it soft, and then I'd be slapping on butter in between two pieces of bread, slap it together, and then take the wax paper and fold them up into a you know and make them uh, you know into a sandwich now i don't know how many people know how to take a piece of wax paper anymore and fold up a sandwich into it but that was my earliest recollection my mom supported my dad in his fishing all the years that he would go out fishing out of uh, the landings here in san diego and i tell you it's it's just a tradition that has gone on since then Hey, uh, speaking of traditions, Wendy, another thing we may want to talk about here real quickly, the CCA has a special event coming up in uh, Los Angeles that I think you'd like to tell us about.
2: Oh, yes, of course. Uh, yes, Coastal Conservation Association, the L.A. chapter, is having their annual barbecue, and that's going to be at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club this week. Saturday, May 20th, from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it's at uh, 3333 Pacific Avenue in Long Beach. Uh, The cost is $50. If you want to buy a table, it's $500. And if you need more information or you want to buy the tickets, you can email John Bellotti at c-c-a-c-a-l-l-a at yahoo.com or you can give them a call at 310-995-3592. All the proceeds um, except for the $30 membership will stay here in California. So, uh, you know, we need the membership. We need the people to stand behind us so that we have a bigger presence when it comes to decision making as far as fisheries are concerned.
1: Yeah, Wendy. And it also sounds like uh, they will be having a raffle there, and they're going to be giving away some fantastic prizes.
2: Oh yeah, there's so many prizes; it's unbelievable. And it, you know, and it's for a great cause to let us continue fishing. So you know, I hope to see everybody there. I'm going to be there, and uh, uh, I know a lot of other people will be there. So Merritt and I will be there, and I hope to see everyone else out there.
1: Right, uh, Wayne. Uh, uh, Kodo uh, sent me a list, and he says, you know, you got to tell your listeners on some of the great prizes that are going to be given away at this barbecue for their, their $50 to come and not only eat great barbecue, but then to get a chance to get into this raffle. There's going to be a four-day trip to Cedrus Island. There's going to be a two-day Texas trip for redfish. There's going to be a three-day Mag Bay Ponga uh, trip. There's going to be a barbecue for 20 if you can take that. Dodger tickets, premium Rod and Reel radio com- uh, combos. And especially, they want to give thanks to Benny Florentino, Jimmy Deckard, and Bill Varney for helping get all these great gifts together. So, as Wendy said, it's the Coastal Conservation Association, Los Angeles chapter. They're going to have a barbecue at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club. It's uh, Saturday, May the 20th, starts off at uh, 3.30. It's uh, uh, $50 each to get into that, and it it sounds like it's going to be a great time, Wendy. It starts
2: at 10.30 and ends
1: at 3. Right. starts at 10.30 and goes from there. And if you want to buy a whole table, you can buy a whole table for $500 and have your crew come on over there and just have a great time.
2: It's going to be a blast. The barbecue is provided by Calabasas Custom Catering, and Paul does a great job. Yes, well, do. you know
1: And it sounds like on top of the great, great barbecue, one of his prizes is going to be a barbecue for 20. So how can you beat that?
2: No kidding. It's, I mean, the, the, the meat is so tender, he brings his barbecue with him and, and cooks it there. It's, oh, it's so good.
1: Oh, Wow. Well, hey, you know, that's it for the first segment. And, again, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to give a big congratulation to all the mothers out there. And, Wendy, again, a big hug to you because you are the mother of two fine gals, and then you have a new addition to the family that you've just brought on.
2: I do. I have a new fur baby. He's going to be my hunting dog, and, oh, my goodness, I'm in love. Did you
1: find? <laughs> did you put a label on that uh, that critter? Yes, his
2: name is Gage. Is in twelve gauge. Oh, there we go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good one.
2: <laughs> hey
1: guys, at this point we're going to take a we're going to take a break right now. Uh, you are listening to the Ron Real Radio on AM five forty or at RonRealRadio Coming up next, we're going to have Shane Warner. And Shane is with the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Association. He's a spokesman for them. He's going to tell us all about what those fine folks do up there in Bridgeport. And maybe Stan can relate to this, too, because I know Stan does a lot of the same type of thing down at Crowley Lake. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come, but we've got a break for these messages.
4: Now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box and
5: hit the water.
6: Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
5: Adventures. Call today HM90 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com. Hi, I'm Chad, designer and owner of Hookup Baits. Hookup
0: Baits jigs are the most realistic and effective jigs ever developed. The realistic action and looks of these jigs catch everything from cropping trout to yellowtail and tuna and everything in between in fact in the last year i have only thrown hookup baits and have caught close to 100 different species of fish these jigs are so versatile and easy to use with eight different sizes and colors to match the hatch wherever you fish you can fish them on top you can fish them on the bottom fast slow and even troll them you can find these great jigs for fresh and saltwater fishing at hookupbaits.com
7: 2015-16, and Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with a brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355.
0: It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Ron Real Radio Live. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a,
1: a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs>
8: that is
0: just
1: absolutely awesome. Hey Stan Wendy and I we wanna welcome you back to Ron Real Radio and we wanna remind you that the California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways They want to let you know that you don't leave boating safety up to the other guy. Safety is everybody's responsibility. And welcome back, everyone. Hey, you know, let's introduce our first guest. You know, it's our pleasure to have him with him. I'm going to refer to him as Chief Shane Warner. And and Shane, not only being and helping out the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Association, but he is also the fire chief for Groveland, California, and Groveland is just outside of uh, Yosemite Park. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, you know, Shane, just before we get on to it, man, these past two seasons in California with the um, drought that we had must have been a living nightmare for you almost every day. I don't know how you could get through it.
8: I'm sorry, John?
1: Yes, can you hear us? Okay.
8: Um, it's it's kind of faint. Um, can you ask that question again?
1: Yeah. Uh, as uh, as fire chief, I can just imagine that in the past couple of years, getting up every day was almost a living nightmare with this drought that we were going through here in California.
8: Yes, it's been very challenging for the firefighters all over this the state. Um, we've recently had you know one of the biggest wildfires in, um, you know, the state's history, third in the state, which was the Rim Fire right here just outside of Yosemite. So it's been very challenging for
1: us. Well, we we thank you for your service and, and, and especially putting your lives on the line like that to protect us and the natural resource that we call Our Forests. And, and speaking of the natural resource, you are the spokesman for the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Association. and Tell us a little bit about that association and... What it's all about, how they got started, and what good work do they do up in the Bridgeport area?
8: Well, I've been nominated uh, because we've we basically I made some good friends over there because we like to vacation over in the Bridgeport area, and one of the things that I've been asking about is how I can contribute to that that area over there. So the Bridgeport Fish and Enhancement Foundation. Uh, they, I got involved with them just to help out and do whatever I can do. So they, they volunteered me to talk on the radio for them and just kind of spread their program out. There. Uh,
9: <laughs> yep. I love that
8: volunteer system. <laughs> yes, yes. So one of the things that they do, and I just would like to mention that they, they're trying to enhance the Bridgeport Area Trout Fisheries through nonprofit means for the purpose of providing an improved angling experience for current and future generations. So that's their mission statement. And one of the neat things that they do over there is that they started in 2003, and they figured that they would help subsidize some of the fisheries and some of the things that were going on as far as the, um, the planting um, by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. So they got together and figured out, well, if we can raise money, then we could probably start dumping some fish in these different lakes and streams and, you know, help out the, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. So that's what they did. Was Steve was Steve Marty involved with that? Yes. I thought so
3: because uh, I know when that first got started, uh, our group, the finest annual trout invitational tournament, was Steve was a part of. Um, we ended up picking up fifty thousand uh, either small. Uh, fry uh, brown trout and or eggs, one of the two, and then we bought some uh, the fry to put into Crowley to start help start that program going. And Steve was the guy that put that thing in there and started raising those those brown trout for for uh, for us. And he, I know, he put some into the Bridgeport Lakes and and other lakes in the Sierras that they went around. And and I know the our group has been a part of helping that for years now.
8: Yes, and, and, you know, the thing that um, I just wanted to, to kind of put out there, it is, you know, a nonprofit organization. So they're a 501c3, um, you know, organization. But if it wasn't for the people that volunteer all their time through whatever it may be um, and, you know, whatever they do for the foundation, everybody in that, that town, you know, there's only, according to, you know, um, the population there, there's only 575 people that live in Bridgeport. So you got to figure that. You know, it's a small town and everybody, you know, gets kind of tapped out on their resources. But they seem to raise the money to help subsidize, you know, the what the Department of Fish and Game is doing. And, um, you know, they, they do a great job as far as, uh, you know, stocking the fish and trying to figure out what fish that they're going to get next time so that they can put in some of these local lakes and streams up there.
1: Now, Shane, are you working in conjunction with the Department of Fish and Wildlife? Uh, do you do you get more fish for them then it's allocated for the area, or just how does this work?
8: They they work in conjunction, and they get most of their trout from Desert Springs, which is up in Summer Lake, um, Oregon. So they bring those down, and recently they just had a cage culture um, program that they were doing at Lower Twin. And in 2016, late September, they released um, one-pound to three-pound rainbows and uh, with a total of like 400 pounds worth of fish. So they raised them right there in Twin Lakes, and they released them. Um, and they, they've done numerous work throughout all the, all the waterways, you know, around Bridgeport. They put fish in Robinson Creek, you know, upper, or excuse me, Big Virginia, Little Virginia, um, Robinson Creek, I, I mentioned. They, they put them in, you know, different, different locations um, all around, upper and lower Twin, and Bridgeport Reservoir also. Are they
3: raising the the
8: fish from eggs anymore, or are they just uh, purchasing the smaller fish and raising them until they can put them in? Well, recently they they just released some browns late last year um, that were basically, um, you know, about one-pounders and they released those into some of the, the waterways as well. So they're trying to do the best they can um, just to try and figure out what they, their, the need is out there. But they've seen a big increase in the brown trout um, as far as being caught um, compared to when they first started in, in 2005.
3: Oh, you're not kidding. The, the catch ratio for that brown trout in the Sierras has gone way, way up. Where it was yep. uh, the minuscule, you know, if you got a brown trout, it was rare before now you can go to a lot of these lakes and brown trout or are, are some
8: of the prized fish now right And one of the things that they I wanted to kind of hit on um, while we have the time to if it's all right is we have an, um, an annual fishing tournament um, and it's being held in in you know basically it's the weekend after Father's Day and what we do is we typically um, we have this tournament and that's where a lot of our donations come from. So this year, it's going to be um, in June. It's going to be June 24th. We we hold it um, there in Bridgeport, and we basically have a, a, a men, a women, and a juniors uh, division. And each junior participant receives an award, um, such as a new rod and reel, and one lucky junior angler actually gets drawn for a $500 educational uh, scholarship. So huh. um, one of the things that they do... And I think that's really neat because last year one of the local residents, one of the local kids, uh, Nico Robles, actually um, won that. And the year before, uh, Rivers- a gal from Riverside won that. So we they've really pushed, you know, the, the kids getting involved in the, in the fishing programs. And as I said before, those anglers, you know, that, that go up to that eastern side of the Sierras are always looking to try and help and donate and, you know, try and give back a little bit. So I think that's kind of something that we want to try and help preserve and, and, and move forward with uh, with future generations.
1: You know, uh, Shane, are, are these fish tagged or marked in such a way so that you can keep track on how successful your efforts are with regards yeah, they, they to uh, the stocking program?
8: And the tags, um, once the fish is caught, they can go in with the tagged fish to Ken Sporting Goods and they can re- basically receive a, a $60 um, you know, basically a, a little voucher that gets them into the tournament for the next year. And for the juniors, we do that as well with a $30 voucher that gets them into the tournament for the following year as well.
1: Right. Well, you're, you're offering some great incentives, uh, Shane, and it sounds like this can't be done without the help of a lot of sponsors and a, a lot of individuals in general. Do you, uh, you want to take this time to maybe uh, uh, mention a few of those folks?
8: You know, and I do, and you know, as as always, you know, we have the Desert Springs Trout Farm, you know, that that does the the stocking, you know, for the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Foundation. Um, we want to thank the California uh, di- uh, Division of uh, Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife, um, Berkeley, Kokanee Power, um, Fishing Mission, um, there locally, Mono County. Um, uh, they they all these people and Kim Sporting Goods. They give so much, but there's. If you go to the Bridgeport Fish and Enhancement Foundation um, Facebook page, they list everybody that has donated. So I just want to thank all of the sponsors. If I hadn't mentioned them, you know, with a few that I just mentioned, I just want to cover them all and say that without their support there, the BFDF would not be functioning and they wouldn't have the money to do these, uh, these special plants. So... Um, I just want to make sure that everybody that's ever involved in either a donation or helping gets gets recognized because this is going to be the future of our anglers. And, and you know, if we if we train them young to give back, then hopefully this will be something that we can continue on for years to come. You know, if if somebody's going to go up to Bridgeport, because everybody,
3: if, if you're going to go into Bridgeport, you're going to have to pass Ken's and stop and see what the big fish are on the ice chest there. Um, yeah. But do they have a, uh, an, an availability to then maybe drop some, some money there and, and uh, donate
8: to the cause right there, Ken? Yes. Or? We do have um, various, uh, we, we do have little containers set up around the Bridgeport area that will take their donations, um, so if you see any, anything like that set up okay. or it's going towards the, you know, Bridgeport Fish and Enhancement Foundation, they typically are identified with a sticker and just a little uh, donation box, and and they're, you know, throughout, you know, the Twin Lakes area. I know Lower Twin has one, um, Ken, Sporting Goods, and just about everywhere you go, there's going to be a box there for donations. So, you know, the people that are traveling up there and and using these facilities and using these lakes, uh, I would highly recommend that they donate because that's just going to help better the fishing when they come back for the next year.
3: I'm for that. We give uh, zero reports, and we make sure
8: that we uh, include that in the reports as we go through our season. Yeah, and we've also, um, you know, if they wanted to send something in as far as the donation, uh, the BFEF uh, peel Box is 23, and that's Bridgeport, California, 93517. And they can send that in at any time throughout the year, and that will help in the stocking programs that we're currently doing. So um, I, I just wanted to make sure that everybody, you know, gets gets kind of a plug for this. One of the other really cool things that we're doing, too, is um, on June 17th this year, we're actually, um, we're giving the fish to the, um, to the Marine base, um, over there, and basically the BFDF gives the fish to the Marine base, and they have a little fishing derby that is sponsored by the Marine base there, and then also, Berkeley and, um, Ken Sporting Goods also donate a rod and a reel to each kid that fishes in that fishing tournament for the Marine nice. base.
1: Wow, that's Nice. Shane, before we leave, uh, let you go, is there a particular catch that you comes to mind that you think if it wasn't because of the efforts of the Bridgeport Fish and Enhancement Association, this fish wouldn't have been po- possible? Is is there an incident like that that comes to mind right now?
8: Well, I just just for myself and my own memories, uh, you know, there's. a, a my family's been fishing over there for years, and and we wouldn't I don't think we would catch the amount of fish if it wasn't for the bFbF and and the and the you know and the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, too. but just the way that these people handle the fishing over there, they really cater to the visitors that that come through and that the, the um, people that like to come up there and go fishing or just just go and visit the resort. so, I think all the work that's being done by everybody is is supporting that that fishing um, over there, and I just I think those memories of of watching the kids catch their first fish that I've seen, you know, at Lower Twin and Bridgeport Reservoir, has um, just been phenomenal. And if it wasn't for some of these people that are donating their time and money, I don't think that would be happening.
1: All right. Well, Fire Chief Shane Warner, we want to thank you very much for cluing us in on what's happening up there in Bridgeport, especially with the Bridgeport Fish Enhancement Association. Kudos to you guys for the efforts. Sometimes it seems seems like it's a thankless task, but again, if it wasn't for the efforts of volunteers like you and I know a host of other people, it wouldn't be possible. Thank you for your service, and thank you for for your time in this, this really great endeavor.
8: Well, thank you, and I appreciate you guys thinking of us up here um, you know, up here in the mountains, and if there's anything else that we can do to, you know, enhance this, or if there's any more information that somebody may have that wants to get out there and know about us, um, they can go to the Bridgeport Fishing Enhancement Foundation on, on Facebook, and they can also, like I said, send in any, um, you know, inquiries or, or money or donations to that PO Box that I mentioned earlier, and we could, we could answer any questions, and we'd love to see everybody come out for the, the annual fishing tournament, which is June 24th this year. And we have a dinner that's included in the entry fee. And so I think it's a really good time. I look forward to seeing a lot of people up there. So I just wanted to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to mention the stuff that we're doing up here.
1: All right, Shane. Good job. And thank you very much for being with us, especially on this Mother's Day.
8: All right. Thank you. And a right. happy Mother's Day to all of you guys.
1: Hey, and speaking of Mother's Day, uh, Stan, you're going to have to jump off right now because uh, you have some duties that you're going to be attending to, too.
3: Yeah, I got to. Gotta make a run, but that's okay. But I thank everybody for, uh, I, well, for the guys up that I've been fishing against here for the last year, a couple of years up there, Casitas for being involved. I think we've got the best circuit of them all. There's no whining; it, it's pretty unusual. But uh, and I go up for me. the The cherished spot is you get your name on this trophy that everybody will see. It stays in the. Uh, cafe if you want to leave it there we can keep it for a year but at least i got my name on this doggone trophy that everybody wants their name on up there so the eric memorial uh, eric Elsher memorial and thank you for larry for making the trophy up and getting it there but we had a great time and it was a lot of fun
1: all right stan you just have a great celebration of mother's day tonight and we look forward to talking with you again next sunday night on run real radio
3: i have a wonderful hey, mother's a mother. day everyone uh, thanks, Wynn. We'll catch you later.
1: <laughs> hey, that doesn't mean Wendy's going anywhere. She's going to stick it on out with us over here. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to have Captain Mike Franchak from Relentless Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. He's going to be with us to try and figure out what the heck is happening off our Southern California coast. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come.
9: Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Custler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can ensure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Custler Yachts, 760-815-8866 so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. That's Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866.
4: Tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now.
6: Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you loved a boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com.
1: This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockleys Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rock Lease at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Wendy and I, we want to welcome you all back on this Mother's Day to Ron Real Radio. And now it's time for Doc Talk, brought to you by H&M Landing. We have with us tonight Captain Mike Franchick, owner and operator of Relentless Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing, captain mike how you doing this evening sir
9: very good john how about yourself
1: man wendy and i are doing great wendy Tushahara is with me and you know we're just trying to figure out what the heck's happening out there this the fish are <laughs> out there but this weather is is making it tough to get them
9: oh uh, that weather was tough you know we just got in from a day and a half this morning and uh it's certainly a a bumpy ride for us you know from start to finish and the. You know, our entire group. You know, we, we really hung in there and tried to try to focus on uh, locating a little of that bluefin tuna. And uh, in this particular case, it gave us in the entire fleet a slip. Uh, we saw we saw very little of that bluefin. I think it's just down down due to uh, I think moon cycle more than more than even the weather. The little bit of fin bait we did see, uh, as far as bait signal, we saw uh, pre dawn to 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 the gray light period, and we saw it again like a light switch right at dusk. So I think a lot of this stuff is just. Uh, Really kind of it with that moon cycle, and uh, if there's a way to fish that stuff in the middle of the night, you know, maybe maybe get on a little bit of it because uh, us and uh, us and 13 other boats certainly didn't locate it this particular weekend. But I don't I don't think it necessarily relocated. I think it's just it's just down with a little bit of a, a moon phase.
1: Well,
2: what grade tuna are you seeing?
9: Uh, what's
2: up? What grade tuna are you seeing?
9: Oh, uh, what grade of tuna? Yes. yes. Uh, you know, I, I, the last two and a half months, there's been a, there's been the best way to break it down is two different grades. There's like a there's like an eighteen to thirty pound grade fish, and then uh, you also see that forty to sixty uh, to upwards of a hundred pound fish. And um, at times it's been mixed. Um, at times, you know, you go out on a particular day and you see you see just that smaller grade, and uh, there's been other times I ran the Malahide a couple of weeks ago, and 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 everything we saw for that that particular day was all that better grade. So. It's kind of, I think it's kind of sinking out and doing its thing, and uh, on any, any given day right now, you're not quite sure what you're going to bump into. But it has been an impressive amount of bluefin tuna locally, certainly early in the year. So that's that's definitely encouraging, and it has it has gotten on the bite. You know, a couple a couple of periods of time here already. So we're just kind of waiting for the next the next little phase for biting fish.
1: Mike, do you think we're actually is this the new norm, or are we still in a period where we're going? Man, this is the bonus round to be getting these type of fish at this time of year
9: i i you know I think it's potentially both. I think we've had years where there's a there's an abundance of that bluefin here locally um at times you know very very local fish um you know I, that that stuff has a tendency to stick around um you know those bluefin are the apex predators of their, of their species and and um you know we've caught we've caught bluefin in in seventy four degree water we've caught bluefin in fifty seven degree water. Uh, we've caught it, you know, on the anchor on the on the beach. We've caught it, you know, 200 miles offshore. They're kind of they go wherever they have they have some feed, and I think at times that crosses over into definitely non traditional periods of time for us for us to be targeting offshore species. And I think as 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 a, a, a recreational angling community, as we have caught in wind of it, you get more guys out there fishing that stuff in October, November, you know, even December or early in the year. I think uh, it's a combination. I think there's a there's an opportunity that might not be the norm that's presenting itself. And at the same time, you know, as, as an angling community, I think we're more savvy on, uh, on getting out there and getting some off-season opportunities.
1: Now, Mike, I understand, too, that uh, down south, the saners that are that are down there, they have reached their quota. So there's nothing that will be keeping fish from coming on up here, I guess, unless they're also saning a lot of bait and Maybe if there's no bait in that yeah, area and there's bait is, in our area, maybe that'll. A little
9: bit of a, we did see a little bit of a mesh boat presence this weekend. They were making a few sets. I know as far as as far as the pen stuff throughout that quota. Um, so I mean, they they could have been making sets on some bonita. They were into the east um, at the same time. They might be able to um, work on a little bit of a, a market quota aside from I think that 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 pen quota. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I think those guys are done, and, and we definitely see a limited presence, which I think is uh, disproportionate to the amount of fish we see. So I think I think those guys are, for the most part, you know, on that bluefin all, all said and done for the year.
1: You know, you know, a couple of seasons ago, we saw bluefin hanging out outside of the pens that were maybe coming by to visit their buds or whatever they were doing out there. Do you think you're going to have that phenomenon again, or are they going to be moving those pens, and will we be seeing uh, fish uh, uh, coming up from the eastern Pacific?
9: Um, As far as fish, I think we're going to see, you know, we already got quite quite a, uh, I'd call it a healthy body of fish, you know, and it's, it's been here since, you know, there's been bluefin signal uh, from February. Um, I don't think this fish is going anywhere. I think it will do a, a very similar uh, behavior pattern of last year i think it, as, as the summer progresses that bluefin particularly that better grade will just settle in and probably give us some more opportunities to uh to get at it um which is which is a very cool option particularly as a, as a charter boat or you know we do a lot of multi-days to where we it's that that better grade bluefin while it might not be uh might not be everybody's cup of tea it's kind of cool to to build a, a second day around it or, or particularly if you got a charter group that wants to fish that bigger stuff and I really do think we're going to have that trophy bluefin fishing just like we have the last two years and uh, it's kind of cool you know and in a lot of ways it's uh, it is a fish of a lifetime you know we go out there in two day trips last August and September and uh, for 18 guys you might only have 30 fish but they're all they're all 70 to 100, 140 pound bluefin and for a lot of guys that's certainly certainly their personal yeah. best so I think that's going to definitely be a, a viable option for us this year. Um, there is a little bit of yellowfin signal, I know down below as well as outside of us, uh, amongst some commercial boats. So I think that's encouraging as well that there's uh, there's a little bit of yellowfin being seen about sixty five sixty five point eight degree water. I think as things develop through the summer, we're probably going to have another uh, another uh, yellowfin heavy year. would be Would be my my prediction.
1: Oh wow! You know we had. Uh captain chuck taft on a couple of weeks ago and he says you know with the body of fish that we're seeing where they are right now the boats really haven't had the opportunity to go down there to the 60 mile range and beyond to see what's happening down there because there's been great fishing uh, really fairly close
9: oh that's true that's true without a doubt you know it's very interesting that this fish for uh for two and a half months has been in the same the same window uh, the same block so to speak. And that that's similar to what we've seen the last couple of years where, where fish seems to kinda settle in and uh, and even even if, if water conditions change and, and even even if it's a different fish, different grade of fish or different body of fish, last couple of years it sure seems like fish seem to pop up in the same the same location you left it a week before. And uh, we're certainly seeing that now. Um the good thing about it is it's kinda it's kinda nice to be able to pinpoint where you got a good shot at catching catching quality bluefin. The the downside of that is, like you said, I think there's been a a disproportionately um, um, lack of coverage due to the fact that guys are kind of hammering at the same box. And weather has a big part of that. Uh, We've had, it seems like, uh, one system after another, and it's definitely made things... uh, Less accessible than they could be to to spread out and kind of kind of you know throw throw a dart and, uh, and go looking and, and at least get a water check or a bait check or a conditions check. I think I think there's definitely fish uh, within our, our bite so to speak that has not been located just due to lack of coverage because you know the combination of the weather and the fact that this fish has been right right in the same little little uh, pocket that has been since since March. So. Um, I'm very excited. I think to see uh, what what transpires towards the end of the month and uh, transitioning into June as things kind of settle in and we get more boats out and the weather kind of stabilizes. I, I think there's fish to be had and opportunities to be had that we haven't we haven't really uh, you know turned the stone on yet.
1: How about our bait supply, uh, Mike? Uh, are uh, are you guys getting the type of bait you need in order to go out and catch these fish? You know, uh, a couple of seasons ago they just seemed to be eating red crab and now there seems to be a combination of finfish and red crab out there. Are, are are you getting the type of bait that you need? That when you get into these fish, you can really get on top of them.
9: Yeah, I, I think we are. You know, we've been getting good get sardine all winter long. You know, whether we're fishing the beach, fishing yellows at that, or we're up and down the beach since uh, since January, it's been a very good grade of sardine. Uh, what was interesting is this particular weekend when we loaded up, they had they had limited sardina to make a straight anchovy for a month. So that's definitely a little wow. bit of a transition there. and uh, yeah, I think I think different uh, different uh, biological scholars can kind of defer to what that means. You know, we we sure like to see other species of tuna we haven't seen in some time um that's based upon that anchovy the anchovy fishery. Uh, whether or not we catch uh, catch any significant albacore in San Diego, yeah, I don't know, but uh, Combination of a, a definitely a change in our water setup, as well as you know, a little bit in our bait setup. You know, I think uh, I think uh, I think it's worthy of a check out to the west. You know, I think next couple of weeks we get a little bit nicer weather. We got a stretch of trips. So I'd sure like to get out to the west and and poke around and make sh- make sure there's nothing we're missing. Uh, we did see that red crab all winter long. Um, I mean, absolute clouds of it. A biomass of that red crab, and I'd say the last the last. Five weeks or so, there's been substantially less of that. So that could be a little bit of a transition going into our early summer as well. So I think uh, I think we'll have to kind of wait and see and get out as much as we can and cover as much water as we can and, and, and see what uh, transpires.
1: So if we're looking at going on a day-and-a-half trip on the relentless, what do you suggest the gear we bring in order to uh, cover the bases?
9: Uh, you know, right now, because of that mixed grade of tuna, um, I think the guy wants to have a 20 to 25-pound setup. Um, definitely, that stuff has, uh, has gone on a fluorocarbon pattern at times, fishing 20 to 25-pound fluorocarbon on, a, on either a mono or spectra base. Um, probably uh, fishing anywhere from, from, from 2 hot hooks on that to maybe even a smaller 2 or 4, depending on how finicky that smaller fish is. At the same time, we've been hooking our bigger fish uh, on the heavy jig, uh, for, for example, the flatfall. Uh, particularly that 160-gram fall, and uh, we've been fishing our fish on a uh, straight 60-pound mono. So I think if a guy wants to come out, he probably wants to have a 20- 20 or 25-pound setup that he can fish that smaller tuna on and uh, that mixed-grade yellowtail on kelp. And uh, he certainly wants a 40-, 50-, or 60-pound setup that he can fish a heavy jig on. And uh, if he's got anything in between, you know, he wants to bring that as well.
1: Wow. Hey, Mike, if uh, people are interested in going out on the relentless out of H&M Landing, uh, how's the best way to get a hold of you to see uh, what the schedule is and uh, book uh, a trip aboard with you?
9: Well, um, yeah, we are mostly uh, exclusively a charter boat. Um, as far as charters, we, we do have a, a little bit of limited availability, I'd say midweek in July and September, and then there's definitely availability in June or October. Uh, For charter inquiries, they're more than welcome to contact me personally. Um, 619-818-5664 would be the number, or uh, charters at outlook.com. As far as our open party schedule, most of what we do is limited load open party, and uh, we do have a unique availability to do that through the landing, kind of fill some holes with uh, a little bit of a a niche with that limited load stuff.
11: Mm
9: -hmm. Uh, Most of our trips, we limit it to uh, 18 guys or less. And all of our open party would be through the landing website, and that'd be at hmlanding.com, or you can always call the landing as well. And they they got a full schedule for all the boats. And um, certainly, uh, as things progress through uh, through late spring, early summer, there's going to be more and more availability to hop on a boat. And uh, the best the best way to check fish count schedules, the whole deal would be uh, through the landing website.
1: All right, Captain Mike check from Relentless Sport Fishing. Thanks for a great report. It sounds like. Everything is just about ready to bust loose out there, man. Exciting times, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs>
9: catching catching blues and catching sixty pound blues, and even in limited qualities <laughs> in, in March was uh, was definitely unique, and it was a good way to kind of kick off our offshore season. And and uh, things progressed. We're only uh, we're only getting more and more excited for things to come. So we're definitely looking forward to a good year.
1: All right, Captain Mike. Thanks a lot for being with us on. Ron, Real Radio, especially on this Mother's Day. We look forward to uh, staying in contact with you to see what happens as the seasons progress. Thanks a lot again, sir. Anytime.
9: Anytime. I definitely want to uh, wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day and uh, thank the mothers that put up with their sons' fishing obsessions
1: like I did. (laughs) Or the mothers uh, putting up with their daughters, right, Wendy? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Hey, uh, Wendy and I, were going to take a break right now, but coming up next, John Campbell is going to be with us. There's been some shift on the leaderboard for the 2017 Yellowtail Derby. You're going to want to hear all about it. And then later on in the hour, Steve Carson. He is the director of the Penn Fishing University. We've got a lot of things to talk to Steve about, so stay tuned. There's still a lot more Ron Real Radio to come after these messages.
4: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water.
6: Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com.
1: Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a bit set back with just what company to go with? Rod and Reel Radio urges you to try American and family-owned Land's End Charters. Land's End Charters offer their clients affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips fish with their brand name fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a family-run business with over 50 years of experience. Go to LandsendCharters.com to see all the current vessels and amenities available and call Cobble Gregg or Jenny directly at 800-281-5778 when you're ready to get fishing
5: Adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com.
7: Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or Angler's Arsenal The Mesa at 619 466 8355.
3: Attention, Rod and Reel Radio listeners. Be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The
11: Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen, including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing marine traffic and much more get the free code group mobile app by texting the word real r-e-e-l to 90407 or enter the words
0: code group in the app store on your smartphone
11: hi this is bss record holder dean rojas el cajon ford helped me when i got started in my career and let them help you with a new f-series ford truck and remember nobody beats el cajon ford
1: Hey, Wendy and I, we do want to welcome you back to the second half of Raw and Real Radio. Well, we've had some movement in the leaderboard for the 2017 Yellowtail Derby, and who better to tell us about it is Tournament Director John Campbell. John, welcome to the show.
12: Thanks, John. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and everybody else over there. Hi, Stan, and happy Mother's Day, Wendy.
2: Thank you, John. <laughs>
12: <laughs> Wendy, I hope you can get yourself down uh, in the San Diego area and catch some fish in the, and get in the getting the midst of this uh, exciting tournament.
2: You, you know, I've been dying to go, but, you know, when you work in the fishing industry, it's really tough when the fish are biting. I'm working. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's about right.
12: So they're, they're biting. I mean, they've been slaying them out at the Coronado Islands, but the, the bigger ones have been coming from La Jolla.
1: No kidding. Uh,
12: we've had... Uh, We've had several, several yellowtail caught uh, up to uh, both 16 and 22 pounds. And then Chris Blevins uh, yesterday caught a 30-pound, 12.8-ounce beauty, a uh, nice big mossback off La Hoya, and in a private boat. So he's in the lead now. During the sky, the second with the 26th. And Mark Nunes is uh, no, actually no. Uh, Carolina uh, Gonzalez has a twenty-two pounder.
1: Nice. She
12: caught uh, yesterday as well. But I, I put out a message, that kind of begged for someone to go out and catch a halibut to fill in our halibut section. And uh, by God, Tony Silva, Captain Tony Silva, uh, big time uh, captain up in Alaska. Uh, he and his brother. I uh, uh, fish a lot in the tournaments down here. Uh, anyway, Tony went out and caught a halibut. All right. In, in San Diego Bay. 14 ounce, fourteen pounds, 8, 12 ounces. You know, it was it's legal. So uh, uh, he's on the board. He's, uh- he's the leader in halibut. So I'm sure there'll be a few other people coming out and they see that.
1: Now, how Otherwise, about white uh, sea bass and uh, tuna?
12: I caught a sixty-two pounder yeah. of white sea bass uh, on the tenth, um, and uh, so we've got the whole everything filled in, and uh, just uh, many more people are coming. Nobody's reported in today. I'm sure I'm going to get some some people. They've got twenty four hours to report their catches. So, um, so what do you think of that?
1: Well, John, did you say that there is a was it sixty two pound? White sea bass is uh, at the top of that uh, category? Yes. Holy mackerel. Uh, Great yeah. fish.
12: Ryan, Ryan Petty on a kayak uh, on the tent went out and uh, landed this beauty, beauty. I've got it on a leaderboard. And you can see it. You go on the online. But it's a, it's a beautiful fish. And uh, he had to, wait, had to wait to get it weighed in. But... Um, so, uh,
1: Cupcake lost a few ounces. but are 60, sixty-two pounds, fourteen point four ounces. Wow! Now, John, we you know are in the middle of the Yellowtail Derby, but that does not necessarily mean that people still can't join. Uh, they have until tell us what date to uh, fish and how can they uh, join in on this? Because the grand prizes are going to be pretty fantastic this year.
12: Yes, they are, John, and uh, yes, you can you can join any time. We've had two people join during the last three days during the last eight years and won it, point out one. So um, uh, you, can, you can join. We're not quite at the middle. We're very close to it, but we're not quite at the middle. It goes through June 4th, fishing through June 4th. So we've got over two weeks left, and uh, I think it's going it to get really heated up. You can go online, International Yellowtail Derby, or yellowtailderby.com, and sign up there. Or if you're down in San Diego, around any of the tackle shops, many of them have uh, entry forms there.
1: Now, the last day of fishing, if I'm not mistaken, is May 4th, is it not?
12: June 4th is the last day. Oh, no, June 4th, right. And they've got to have their fish weighed in and send me the, their uh, receipts, their weigh receipts, uh, by 6 o'clock.
1: And then uh, come the fifth, uh, Larry Bonham uh, over there at the Bally High. He's going to open up the restaurant, and you're going to have one grand old gala to award all the prizes and give everyone the kudos that they uh, deserve uh, for uh, you know being in the 2017 Yellowtail Derby. That is going to be a special event, John.
12: Yes, traditionally, uh, one or two of the fishermen who've caught an extra. Yellowtail or white sea bass or something. Donate it uh, for the awards banquet. This gives them some extra, extra things, some extra uh, food for the uh, for the troops. So it's a
1: lot of fun. All right. Again, John, uh, you can you can sign up until uh, May fourth to fish the. Uh, I mean uh, June fourth uh, to fish the Altel Derby. And again, where do they go? to not only get the entry form, to fill it on out, but also to get the ticket that needs to be filled out if they do catch a fish.
12: Yes, yeah, but the best places are most used, uh, besides being at the landings, you can have fish weighed in at the landings. You want to open party boat? Just make sure they don't flam before you have to <laughs> let the captains know and let them tell them uh, to have the, the scales ready when, when the boat comes in. But the easiest places are Dana Landing in Mission Bay, and they've got an excellent scale, and they're open all the time, and uh, uh, the Marlin Club in San Diego Bay.
1: All right. Well, John, you know, uh, let's hope we have some good weather, because as soon as this weather calms down a little bit, this thing is going to mushroom, because, you know, from what uh, Captain Mike Franchek told us, and we've heard from, you know, the skippers and everything in the past couple of weeks, those fish are out there. We just have to get better conditions to go out and get them, and I think those better conditions are just right around the corner.
12: I think you're right, John. I bet you they
1: are. All right. John Campbell, director of the 2017 Yellowtail Derby, thanks a lot for being with us. And, John, again, I hope you're having a Grand Mother's Day celebration, and we look forward to talking with you and keeping updated on What's happening with this year's derby? All right, then. Hey, uh, coming up next? Well okay, thanks a lot. Oh, John okay. Campbell. I guess John Campbell's gone. He maybe had someone uh, coming in uh, with a, uh, a fish to qualify for the derby, Wendy.
2: Oh, probably, you know. <laughs> right. Hey, There's so many big fish out there. I can't wait to see what the, what the ending looks like.
1: Oh, it's, going to be, it's going to be something, especially in the past couple of years that fish that have been caught on the second to last day or last day have, have, have won their category, so it's really exciting. Hey, Wendy, let's uh, introduce this uh, next individual. He is the director of the Penn University fishing university and he is also the co-host of anglers chronicle that's how i heard every saturday morning on klac out of los angeles good friend of ron real radio too it is steve carson steve are you with us
11: i'm with you good evening hey i, think I hear wendy in the background i can't hear her too well well but i hope she's there i'm here steve hello there
1: All right! On
11: the air. What a what a night. What a time. What a a year
1: for fishing is coming up. Oh man, you not believe it. And Jorge, if you could pipe Wendy up a little bit so Steve could hear him, I'd I'd appreciate it if there's some way to go about doing that because I can hear Wendy just fine. So apologize for that, Steve, if if having a tough time. But hey, Steve, you know. You are the director of the Penn Fishing University. You're in, you're involved in all aspects of fishing. It it's always great to talk to you about areas of fishing. But there's one area that you brought to my attention of, of concern that we've had for the past couple of months, and that is the uh, salmon hatchery that is right now working out of Lake Orville. They've they've kind of had a couple of incidents there at the hatchery. Can you? Update us just quickly on what's happening there and, and uh, you know, what it means to, you know, the salmon population here in California.
11: Yeah, what do they say? When it rains, it pours. Oh, I'll man. tell you, the, the the Feather River Hatchery, which is right downstream from Oroville Dam, which has pretty much been in the news ever since early February, <laughs> they've had a lot of issues. Um very briefly, what happened when when the uh, the dam disaster started, when the emergency overflow uh, started to fail, they realized that they had some big problems going on, not the least of, but besides the human issues, <laughs> the yeah, humans yeah. that were in danger, which was a lot of them, uh, the uh, Feather River Hatchery, which plants about six million salmon in the Feather River every year, and a certain percentage of them are caught in the river. A very large percentage of them are caught out in the Pacific Ocean, of course. Uh, that was also being inundated with with muddy, gnarly flood water, and pure heroism on the part of both the the CDFW personnel and uh, the DWR—that's Department of Water Resources personnel—in the face of all the danger that was going on. A lot of their own homes were being evacuated. And they managed to, luckily there was a fairly safe haven, only about a five or ten minute drive. That's a miracle all by itself. Uh, in a safe area, they managed to evacuate uh, maybe a little bit more than than half of the six million salmon. So they got maybe four million of them, they're not very big, uh, over into the safe area, what they call the Thermalito Annex. They got them there without a whole, a whole lot of loss. There was some loss but still miraculous in the face of everything else that was going on. That was a couple of months ago, and since then they just kind of been growing them like normal, feeding them, they've been growing. And uh, right about now they're in the 3- to 5-inch range. And uh, I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday of this week. Uh, just one of those human error things. There was, since this was a, an annex, an extra area, uh, wire, you know, wire was loose, wire came loose, This was of, co- of course in the middle of the night, that's the only time these <laughs> things happen. Um, wire came loose, the water pump shut off, and the little fish were about three or four hours with no, with no circulating water, they started dying off pretty fast. When the employees got there at, at 6.30 or so in the morning, they realized what was going on. And they fixed it, but there was about another three hundred thousand of the young salmon that were lost. Uh, again, it's not not the end of the world, but certainly um, a, a generation of fish that had already suffered a pretty major loss suffered another major loss. But uh, they're gonna they're gonna go onward and upward. And uh, again, as you as we talked earlier, it could have easily been a complete loss of this year's generation of fish, which is really, for for anglers, it's a three-year delay. Because when these young fish go out into the ocean, it's at least a year before they're big enough to catch, even in the ocean. And uh, then it's the third year that they actually come back to the river, where uh, had, had it just gone a little bit differently than it did, it could easily be zero fish coming back to the river.
1: And, and Steve,
11: and people don't realize how good the salmon fishing is in the Feather and the Sacramento Rivers, north of Sacramento. People think you have to go to to Washington or British Columbia or Alaska to catch salmon. You have very, very good salmon fishing. It's not exactly untamed wilderness, but uh, the fishing's pretty doggone good, or, or it can be.
1: And Steve, even though these hatcheries release, you know, hundreds of thousands of fish, what What percentage do they think of the fish actually come back and return uh, into these rivers?
11: Well, it depends on how big they are, when they let them go, and also where they let them go. Uh, If they let them go uh, right up at the hatchery, which is kind of at the bottom of the dam, they have to swim a long gauntlet through the river of all kinds of critters that want to eat them. And if they're not too big, uh, a lot of them get eaten. Uh, The problem is if if you let them grow up to where they're... 14, 15, 16 inches long where they can really get away from stuff. Uh, That costs an awful lot of money in food and time. So they they let them go kind of in shifts at different sizes. Sometimes they actually put them in in a truck and take them all the way down the river and let them go in the delta. Again, all that costs a lot of money. Uh, There's even a few situations where they barge them down and release them. But again, that all costs a lot. In the long run... The return is about two to three percent of the fish that are planted to the ones that actually three years later make it all the way back up to the hatchery.
1: Right. Hey, Steve, uh, we got to take a break right now. Any way uh, we can uh, talk you into staying with us a little longer? Sure. All right. Hey, we are uh, Wendy and I are we are speaking with Professor Steve Carson from the Penn Fishing University. We're we're going to get into some saltwater things, but we thought you might find it interesting since we've been talking about trout and salmon a little bit tonight, just to find out about that situation because there was some misinformation that was out and floating about, and I read it in an article just this morning, that all the fish were lost, and luckily that did not happen. Steve, thanks for that report. Hey, Wendy and I, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back after these commercial messages. Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing, and Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief. It's here, and it's time to go on
3: the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 24- deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length we're also available for private group charters the chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25 twin flat screen tvs with hundreds of movies two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers stateroom and open berthing areas an impressively large deck area 200 scoop bait capacity we have twin six-ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to h m Landing at www.hmlanding.com
4: or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com.
6: Don't you just love California in the summer? Just remember, if you love California and you loved a boat, please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too. Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com.
10: Hey, bass fisherman, Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? And if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your whole seven two six two or just spell bass boat one eight hundred bass boat i know there's too many letters but the t is free and the calls on me that's one eight hundred bass boat the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance for more information log on to one eight hundred bass
6: don't you just love california in the summer just remember if you love california and you love a boat please wear your life jacket and make sure the people you love wear one too Love California, vote California, save California. Share the love at BoatCalifornia.com.
1: Hey, Wendy, and I—we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. We're also welcoming our special guest. He's director of Penn Fishing University, and he's also the co-host of Angler's Choice uh, uh, Chronicles on uh, KLAC on Saturday morning. Steve Carson, Steve, welcome back to the show. Hey, you know, Steve, we've been talking to the skippers there a little bit about the uh, the current conditions. Uh, some days you're getting into yellowtail. Some days you're getting into bluefin. Some days you're just getting into it and not getting anything. You know, with this weather that we've got, uh, uh, tell us what, what should the fishermen be going out with to prepare for, like, you know, an overnight day-and-a-half trip to better uh, uh, increase their chances of coming home with uh, some of these great fish that are out here right now?
11: Well, number one... They should maybe consider before they ever leave the dock how many of what of what we euphemistically call the kelp grade yellowtail are that they actually want to keep. Um, certainly, it's legal to keep five uh, in that smaller size range, and limits five in Mexico anyway. But even if you're up in the U.S. waters, uh, those, those under 24 inches, you can only keep five, and you don't necessarily have to keep five. So sometimes when the fishing's hot and heavy. You kind of just in the in the in the heat of the moment, you may keep a few that that you don't really want. So so have that in their, in your mind ahead of time, so you can gently release them rather than uh, than uh, have a gaff hole in them or something where you can't release them. So have that ahead of time, number one. Um, maybe even uh, take your favorite iron and uh, your favorite yo-yo iron uh, for that for that kelp grade yellowtail. I like either a Taddy nine or a Sumo C2, or something in that size range, and they're not too picky on color. I mean, if you like a scrambled egg uh, better than mint or blue and white, you know, better than all white, doesn't really matter, but take a jig or two and make them up ahead of time barbless just takes a couple a couple seconds with a pair of pliers on each, on each hook point, tamp the barb down, and as long as you're using mono, this doesn't work too well with straight braid, but if you've got, you know, a 25- or a 50-yard top shot of mono where you've got some good stretch to it and you keep your line tight, you don't lose that many fish on barbless hooks. Uh, just keep that line tight, and then that way if you get a little one up, then uh, you can let him go with with minimal damage, and if you if you get a big one, keep the rod bent, keep the line tight, and you'll still land him. So that's number one. I pr- I like to fish, uh, you know that that kelp graded yellowtail with maybe thirty pound gear. Some people like to go down and go light. I would rather save my twenty or twenty five pound bait outfit uh, and keep it set up with about a one j hook. Mm-hmm. And use that for fly lining for that school-grade bluefin. And uh, then use like a 30-pound uh, yo-yo outfit for the kelp-grade yellowtail. And, th- and then you always want to be ready for the bigger bluefin. They could be around. That, well, they are around. They could want to bite at any moment. Could be, could be tomorrow. They didn't bite today, <laughs> but they could bite tomorrow. And uh, two different ways to rig that up. If, if you uh, prefer to fish with bait, then you'll want to have uh, some rubber band rigs ready uh, where you've got uh, you know, just a little office grade rubber band, nothing too strong, and a selection of sinkers from four to about maybe 12 ounces. And then just go with the crew's recommendations depending on the wind and the current, et cetera, et cetera, and how deep the fish are. Uh, one of the biggest fish of the year was caught uh, a couple of weeks ago on just uh, just about a four-ounce sinker, but typically I'd probably start out with a six or an eight and just and go from there. And then make sure you're using nothing less than 50-pound tackle, really 60, for the <laughs> the greatest of some of these bluefin, and make sure you've got a two-speed reel. Even... You know, when the fish are only 50 pounds, those young 22-year-old construction workers, they can get by with one-speed reels. But When the fish are 100, 125 pounds, I don't care how studly you think you are, you want a two-speed reel. And and I'll bet you Wendy can chime in on a dozen times where there was some big macho dude brought to his (laughs) knees by by a fish, and she just pushed the little easy button, For two-speed, and crank that fish right in. Tiny girl that she is. Uh, You're exactly
2: right, Steve. And, you know, it's really important. Maybe a
11: hundred times you've probably seen that.
2: Well, you know, it's really important for these guys to remember technique. Right. Technique is key. I mean, you don't have to be somebody, you know, 6'5", brutally strong. You know, I'm, I'm five feet tall. But technique is really key.
11: That that exactly is exactly it, and like I say, and a two-speed reel. Oh uh, there, yeah. you, you don't necessarily have to go out and get a, a six or seven or an eight hundred dollar two-speed reel. There's plenty of good ones available in the two hundred and fifty to two hundred ninety-nine dollar range that are very good. They're not blingy, but they're very good. Uh, you know, in particular, I of course would recommend the Pen Fathom series reels, but. Uh, you know you're not going to get one for 50 bucks that that's true that isn't going to happen but how often and uh and and certainly john and i are old wendy's very young but john and i are old <laughs> wendy's and strong we, too <laughs> literally we can remember about a 50-year period of time where these giant tuna were not available <laughs> these fish we've been catching the last couple of years they are the fish of a lifetime go out there that's prepared right. to catch them
1: you know uh Steve, you were mentioning the uh, kelp grade uh, yellowtail. Is it a a misnomer or a wives' tale to think that if I take a big jig and I let it go down a hell of a lot deeper and I yo-yo it or I let the boat drift maybe a few hundred yards more off from the kelp bed that I might stand a better chance of getting a a better grade of fish or is it just a toss-up?
11: Well, there hasn't been much of that lately. Um, you know, just in the la- in the last immediate bite. But you know, overall, that's a- that's a very very good tactic. And in fact, if you see me doing it, you'll see me with with a heavy, uh, an even bigger jig than I would use for yellowtail, prospecting down, hoping for an opa. Oh yeah. So that that is definitely you know overall that's a tactic that you would try. It has been working very good the last the last couple weeks, but. Uh, you know, again, that could change
1: tomorrow. Now Steve, you also mentioned using the uh, Penn fathom reel and that's been a that's a great reel, but there's some listeners out going, "Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, uh, you know, bring up something that I can't use, but Penn is doing something to change that, are they not?"
11: Well, you're gonna you're going you are you are definitely going to have some uh, uh, some new reels unveiled, and I don't know if you're going out there or not. I think I usually see Wendy out there in the middle of July uh, in lovely, very humid at that time of year, Orlando, Florida. The ICAST show—that's <laughs> when all the different tackle companies sort of unveil their, their new cool stuff for uh, for the for the next year.
2: Yeah, well, are you going to be- you, Wendy. No, I won't be there this year. I, oh, we, I we'll think,
1: be so sad. I think uh, Ron Real Radio will be there, uh, uh, Steve. But pertaining to the Fathom, there is uh, something coming on out in the Fathom to help people. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. Because see, because see, there you go. That
11: yeah. shows how selfish I am. Since <laughs> I'm not left-handed. <laughs> I forgot that. Yes, <laughs> indeed, there will be some. Uh, left-hand drive versions for and and by the way, not everybody that buys a left-hand drive reel is actually left-handed.
1: No, that's right. There,
11: there's a growing number of, of people that are righties that want the crank handle on the left side, and so Penn will be coming out with uh, uh, probably not till the end of September, early October. So it won't be around for the summer months, unfortunately. But the very popular Fathom 25 narrow and 30 size. Two-speed lever drags will be coming out in a left-hand drive. All those lefties can please stop sending the emails.
1: I know. Same here. Uh, I, hate, I hate the guys that come into the shop and they look at all this great selection of pen products that are under in the case, and they go, uh, you have that fathom in the left-handed, and you go, no, you know, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Hey, Steve, uh, tell us this phenomenon that's called the flat fall. What is it about this jig, and how's the best way to fish it to to get uh, maximum result out of it?
11: Well, the the good thing is, it's and 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 I mean this with love. It's the type of jig that we used to call a no-brainer. Okay, you don't have to be an expert caster. Uh, You don't even hardly have to know how to fish a jig at all. You basically have to, to, in order to do quite well, you literally walk over to the windy side. Of the boat, so that when you drop it over the overboard, it's drifting away from you and not under the boat. And just and remember that w- that when you're fishing offshore, the bottom is oh, I don't know, five thousand feet down, seven thousand feet down. You're not going to hit the bottom. You have to remember that. And just start free spooling it out. And if it happens to stop and feels like it hit the bottom, it didn't. That means the fish ate it. Just put the reel in gear and crank it back. But basically, what you do, you drop it down, uh, you know, 150 200 feet. Sometimes the captain will say specifically how deep he sees the fish, but let let it down. So let's just say on average about 200 feet. If you don't get a bite, wind it back up about halfway. Back up, you'll occasionally get a bite when you're cranking back, but not that not that often and put it in free spool, let it sink back down again, because the whole point of these jigs, and there's there's quite a number of different brands and, and, and styles, color's not that important in general. On any given day, it can be, but the main thing is to be able to make sure you get the jig down to the depth where the fish are at, and basically, that's what you do. Wind it back up about halfway, free spool it back down. I've even seen people get bit, where they drop it down to whatever depth the captain says he's reading fish, and all they do is just give it a big sweep up, you know, eight or ten feet, whatever the length of their rod is, let it sink back down, and 99% of the time the fish are going to take it while it's sinking down. Uh, It's just, it's so simple, and uh, much like Mr. Dal Salas, way, way back when, when he invented the the 6X Junior, uh, I'm not sure he really knew exactly what he, had, what he, what he stumbled upon, but considering he had a lot of shapes at the same time that didn't work at all, uh, he stumbled upon something that the yellowtail just liked. Same thing with, with the, the motion of these various flatfall jigs. They stumbled upon something that the fish just like, and, and now we're fine-tuning on what I'm, I'm fairly certain was an accidental discovery a couple of years ago.
1: All right, well, Steve, the, this time is going by way, way, way too quick. We got to do another break. Uh, can we squeeze one more uh, segment out of you? Do you think? Yeah, if it works for you, it works for me. <laughs> All right. Hey, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM five forty or at rodandrealradio Wendy and I, we're going to take a break right now, so stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Real Radio to come after these messages.
7: Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com.
4: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box,
10: and hit the water.
6: Love California. Boat California. Save California. Share the love at boatcalifornia.com.
10: Rodden Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenrealradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening
1: now. We do want to welcome you back to Rodden Real Radio, and we are celebrating this Mother's Day by talking about some great fishing that we're experiencing not only in the Eastern Sierras but also off our Southern California coast and who better to do that with with it than the director of the Penn Fishing University and the co-host of Anglers Chronicles heard every Saturday morning on KLAC Mr. Steve Carson Steve welcome again back to the show All right. hey Steve uh, before we leave the uh, uh, the flat fall jigs. A lot of people, funny-looking hook on that thing, and uh called an assist hook. Is there another hook that if people don't want to fish with that hook that you recommend go on there, or should they just go, if Shimano wanted another hook to put on there, they would have put on it on there already? What What do you think?
11: Well, actually, there, uh, there are uh, several different options. Uh, uh, our friends at Owner do, do make uh, hooks specifically for them, and when you're fishing the heavier line, like if you've got 80-pound braid and 130-pound fluorocarbon, and you're going to pull pretty hard, uh, there, there is certainly a certain number of people that... Uh, that will actually substitute a regular... Again, it depends on the exact size of jig that you're using, but if you have one of the ones that's, let's say, six or eight ounces, about an eight o single hook, just a good, strong one will absolutely work. It'll... You know, don't overhook it, because then it might not sink, sink quite right. The other thing that I always do is on the front. I hate tying to that static ring. Um, so I will set it up with a... With a uh, owner split ring and an owner solid ring, and that that in my mind is a much more secure connection. Also, lets the jig sink a little more enticingly. Again, you got to remember these jigs don't work when you're cranking it back in. If you Mm -hmm. catch a fish when you're cranking in, it was an accident. It's that it's that side to side, uh, basically dead bait sinking out motion that makes them bite it. And you want to make sure that you don't do anything to. uh, restrict that and i should add since they eat them when they're sinking a lot of times they swallow them down and so you're going to want to make sure you use at least around a four foot piece of fluorocarbon relatively heavy um uh, if the bigger graded fish are, are around nothing wrong with 100 or 130 pound uh fluorocarbon and even if the fish are you know Typical size, 25, 30, 40 pounds. Nothing wrong with using 50 or 60-pound fluorocarbon because they're going to suck that down, and you want to make sure that you have something that can endure the abrasion from, from a bluefin's teeth.
1: All right. Hey, uh, let's go on to another subject, and obviously you are the director of the Penn Fishing University, which means that you probably have a little bit of an in-way with uh, Penn Fishing Reels and everything. they got great products I've fished with Penn Internationals for a long time but it seems like the whole world has gone to using a 20 size and Penn Internationals just don't come that way. It, is 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 there any relief or that that's coming along that I might be able to look at here in the not too distant future and and have something to meet my need? Well, you know, it's funny
11: that that Pan originated the twenty size along about oh fifty or sixty years ago or so, but uh, they haven't had one in the lineup. But it, when you're at the ICAST show, I'm so glad to hear that you guys are, are going to make that trip. That's a long mm-hmm. trip. When you're at the ICAST show, I will I will personally show you one of the new Penn International VI series that's going to be unveiled to the to the world at that time. Uh, it, and it's going to come in all the sizes from a 12 to a 130 but particularly for our our guys that like to it's just that perfect sweet spot to fish 100 pound top shots for everything from our local big blue fin that now are the new normal you know on down to uh uh you know uh, 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 finesse fishing at uh, hurricane bank and the other areas on the on the on the longer range trip so yeah there is definitely going to be one of those in that New International VI series.
1: Wow, this this new generation of of uh, pen reels and the International series that's coming up, Steve. What what are some of the features, advantages, and benefits of these reels that we're going to be seeing that haven't been available in other models?
11: Well, I can't talk too much about them no, yet, Steve. No. But what I can say. Is that uh, they will be? They will incorporate all the features that everybody's always loved about their Penn Internationals—the great gearing, the great drag, et cetera, et cetera—the solid frames. But they have lightened them up substantially, uh, you know, uh, to a great percentage. Can't give out the numbers yet, but they're quite a bit lighter, and also the spool mass has been reduced considerably, and. Everybody knows, well maybe not everybody, but a lot of people know that if you reduce the spool mass on those big reels, guess what happens? You get much, much, much improved free spool. So if you're flylining a sardine or something like that, they're gonna be just the perfect thing. And we definitely have uh we've tested them quite a bit. If you've been out on one of my pan fishing university trips, uh there's a good chance you got to fish with one already.
1: Oh man. Well, we look forward to seeing those at iCast and On that same note, you haven't mentioned the pen fishing universities. I know you're running a a number of them this year, but we're already too late for some of them because they're already booked up. Isn't that true?
11: Yeah, yeah. uh, (laughs) I'll 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 have trips running all. Throughout the year, in fact, i got one coming up. I believe we leave, we depart on the 10th of June. It will be the first one in San Diego with our friends on the Shogun. And then we have them spread out throughout the year also on the uh, Vagabond, on the Searcher, and the American Angler. And as well as in Northern California, on board the California Dawn. So, and and literally, almost as quickly as we announce the dates, they sell out. So, for, for 2017, you're pretty much out of luck. But uh, if, you, if you check those various boat schedules and you look at what the dates are for 2017, uh, the 2018 dates should be pretty similar, and you can contact those boats' offices and see how, exactly how soon, because I'm actually not sure, they will, they will take reservations for 2018 trips that aren't formally scheduled yet.
1: Well, maybe we'll have to get together and see if we can squeeze out one more trip for 2017, and maybe have Penn and Rod Reel Radio or something be involved. I'm not uh, not quite sure what uh, how we can make that happen, but I'd sure like to see that happen, Steve.
11: Well, it's going to be a, it, it, it's a pretty uh, a pretty spectacular year we're looking at this year. Well, maybe we can discuss it at ICAST.
1: All right. Hey, you know. Just one more thing, and we've talked about this in in the past. When we had uh, Captain uh, Frank uh, Francheck uh, on just before you, he was talking about that they're getting a mix of bait, and the bait's good. Sometimes they get some great sardines, but they're finding that there's uh, sometimes all they can get is anchovies. And a lot of our uh, listeners maybe have not really fished a lot with anchovies, and. Can you tell us how it is different fishing with an anchovy than it is with the sardines that might be available? Yeah, well, the, yeah, that's a
11: whole art into itself, but the, but choosing a bait is even more critical. Everybody knows it's critical to choose a good bait with a sardine. It's even more critical with an anchovy to make sure that you, you pick the best possible bait and handle it in the, the gentlest way possible so you don't injure it and... Also, the hooks are dramatically smaller. You cannot use the same hooks going back and forth between anchovies and sardines. You just can't do it. Or you might use a 1-0 or a 2-0 or even a 4-0, sometimes bigger with a sardine. Uh, typical size for anchovies, uh, the size of anchovies that you get in the summer in San Diego, a 2 would be a big hook. Four would be about normal, and there's plenty of times when you're going to have to use a size six hook with anchovies for bait, and no matter what you do, an anchovy basically is dead within just a couple of minutes. There's no no more of these 10-minute soaks like you can can sometimes get with a, with a sardine or a 20-minute soak with a mackerel. Two or three minutes, and they are toast, and you've got to change them.
1: Now, Steve, does it does it mean that because now we have smaller baits and we're going to smaller hooks that our anticipation of catching bigger fish shouldn't be uh, that great? Because uh, will the big fish still eat that anchovy with that smaller hook? And can oh, we bring it in? the big fish will
11: definitely eat the, eat the small anchovy. Oh, you bet they will. And the old-timers out there that remember when the only bait we had was anchovies, We'll remember plenty, plenty of times where we hooked big fish on that lighter gear and didn't land them. The gear these days is a lot, lot better. Uh, although it's still it's still gonna be a challenge if you hook a, a 70 or an 80 pound tuna on 20 or 25 pound line, that is still gonna be a challenge. But uh, modern tackle is gonna, is gonna make the more typical 30, 40 pounders, you know, uh, and that's a good fish. On 20- or 25-pound line, that used to really, really be a a tough fight. And with modern gear, it's just a heck of a lot easier. So so we've got that to look forward to. The tackle is just dramatically better than it was 30 years ago, the last time anchovies were the dominant bait. And the other thing that really, really loves anchovies, loves them more than anything else, is albacore. Mm -hmm. So it would be kind of cool to see those guys around too.
1: Steve, when we uh, uh, use an anchovy and we've got to go to a smaller hook, might it be uh, more recommended that we use a circle-type hook instead of a J-type, or does it make really that much
11: difference? I, I, I think that with the anchovies, that's kind of, a, that's kind of a, a, an exception to the rule, where you know, uh, I like to use circle hooks a lot with, uh, with sardine and mackerel baits. With anchovies, I still like a J-hook, and, and one of the reasons is, again, you're trying to absolutely minimize the bulk of the hook. So if you have two hooks that are the same size, a J-hook and a circle hook, there's more metal in the circle hook. Mm-hmm. And so that will, uh, that will, will slow, the, slow the bait down a little bit more. I, it, when, when you're talking about anchovies, I'm definitely still using J-hooks. I, I personally use most of the time with anchovies, Uh, I use the owner Gorilla Lights, but uh, you definitely want to make sure you're using a light wire hook. Usually they'll say right on the package, um, you know, light wire, medium wire. Sometimes it'll say 4X strong or 5X strong. Avoid those when you're anchovy fishing. You want a light wire hook.
1: So even using a ring hook is not advisable because you think that it adds more mass to the hook, and as a result... uh, uh, where we think that the anchovy is going to be livelier because you've got the ring on it, actually we're kind of defeating the purpose.
11: Yeah, I like the rings. For, you know, for bigger baits, for, I get for sardines and mackerel and even squid. But well, with an anchovy, I, I generally will not be using a ring hook.
1: And then when we're bit on an anchovy with a lot smaller hook as opposed to a sardine that has a large hook, <clears throat> do we let that fish run longer, or, or what do we do? if anything, that's different when it finally comes time to set the hook? Well, you know, I mean, like anything
11: else, it, it's a matter of feel and what you're, what you're used to, but when, when a 20- or a 30-pound fish has to eat a sardine, or for that matter, when a 15-pound fish has to eat a sardine, he's got to eat it a little bit. But any fish bigger than about 5 or 6 pounds, when he comes up to an anchovy, he just sucks it right down. So the main thing you want to do is wait long enough for that fish to have basically turned sideways to you. If he's still facing you and you're trying to hook him, sometimes you can pull the hook out of their mouth. So you want to, I like to go with baby a count of three to make sure that, that, that he's at least turned away from me because when they eat that bait, they're sucking it all the way and they just flare their gills out and they just vacuum the water in and that, and that little anchovy goes right down their gullet.
1: Right. Well, Steve Carson... Professor, Director of Penn Fishing University. Uh, you know, you never know what we're going to throw at you and you always come up with the greatest of answers and, and helping us out kind of understand what we can do to go out and catch more fish. Uh, and then also, I am really excited to hear about this new uh, version of Penn Fathoms and the Left Handed and then also this new generation of of Penn International is coming out. That is going to be exciting to see. When does Penn anticipate that maybe those things are going to be available to the fishermen out in the market?
11: Well, uh, with, with the most of the products that are introduced at ICAS, which will be in mid-July in Orlando, generally the schedule, and I know that this is the working schedule right now for, for both of those products, is going to be mid to late September So I'm just telling everybody October 1st. And it's unfortunate because there's going to be a lot of really good fishing between now and the end of September. And so if you've got a summer trip planned, those reels will not be out in time. So I apologize for that up front.
1: All right. Well, Steve, we just plain, flat. I've run out of time. I can't thank you enough for being with us tonight and sharing your knowledge with us. uh, I always enjoy having you aboard. Thank you very much for being with Wendy and I.
11: Thanks a lot. We'll
1: talk to you soon. All right. Hey, Wendy, that's it. Thank you for being with us, and happy Mother's Day to you, ma'am.
2: Oh, thank you very much, and happy Mother's Day to Vicki, and we will talk to you guys
1: next week. All right. And to everyone out there, you have a great Mother's Day celebration. That's it for tonight. We want to thank Jorge and the AM540 studios, Ben here in San Diego for putting everything together, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, and Eddie McCune that left us this legacy, which is Rod and Reel Radio. Thank you, guys. You guys, get out there and get them. The fishing's fantastic. We're going to have a break in this weather, and you want to be there to catch these fish when that time comes. So on behalf of all of us, good night, everyone. We're out for now. We'll see you on the water.
5: you gone fishing. How you know? There's a sign
0: upon your door.